This is Eric Mann. I'm the host of Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. I'm in studio with Channing Martinez, my co-host and the director of organizing of the Labor Community Strategy Center. And our wonderful guest, Ayuko Babu, the co-chair of the famous Pan-African Film Festival that after some COVID blows, is hopefully going to be uh, both live and uh, virtual. Um, so, Ayuka Babu, thrilled to have you on. Very start good with to just, <laughs> Good. Just start with the logistics first. Tell our people when, where, how to get tickets right away. I'm going to say it several times uh, throughout the show because that's one of our goals, right? It's to get exactly. people to go. Number one, uh, go on our website, paff.org. Right. And we're going to be both, we're going to be hybrids, they say, both virtual and in person. In person, we're going to be at the Rave Theaters on the corner of King and Crenshaw uh, in the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza property, and right around the corner from the Strategy Center. Yeah. And then we're going to be um, virtual, trying to do both things. It's been very difficult because of the to do both of those things is almost cost as much three or four times it does to do a festival. So it's been very challenging. And we have run into um, what we learned back in the 60s, since we all from the 60s, that there's a difference between consciousness and development and woodshed development. You know, we uh, my father used to say that um, there's doing between a tree shade mechanic and a, a mechanic that went to trade tech. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, we've experienced that. So many people say they're into technology, into, into uh, you know, all these things, the, the internet and so forth and so on, but they basically tree shade mechanics. <laughs> we've run into a lot of that. I'll, just one funny story. We had a young man that had us all hooked up and da 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 and uh, so we said, now we got a lot of our stuff is on the weekends. So we, so we got it covered. Weekend came up as a test. And they said, well, uh, our people are in the Philippines. I said, the Philippines? Yeah, they're in the Philippines, because you know, this is worldwide. I said, okay. But unfortunately, the people in the Philippines don't work on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Because <laughs> they take off. And nobody told them. He said, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, we got 200 films. So then we... We, we're, with them. we're getting through that, and it's very interesting. So we're learning a lot about technology and where people are at and so forth and so on, and then watching the international scene and watching uh, the struggle between Mother Nature, which is COVID, this Mother Nature, you know, then excavated by monopoly capital, you know, and greed, you know, open up, open up. Uh, we had uh, several of our people get, uh, get COVID 
in 2020, last time we were publicly. Right. But they didn't, at the time, Trump didn't tell anybody that there was Trump, there was COVID. So uh, as we look back, and one of our big producers died, uh, we looked back and he had uh, blood clots, he had uh, couldn't taste anything and all the symptoms, but they said they put it down as pneumonia at that time. So it's very interesting. We're trying to deal with all of that. Well, the voice you're hearing again is Ayuko Babu, one of the really great movement veterans and leaders. And, you know, Babu, the, uh, there's all these great films about the making of films, like the one about Apocalypse Now and how everything happened, malaria and typhoid and hurricanes. <laughs> and we know as organizers that the drama is just, it, our listeners should not think it's easy to right. put on a pan-African film festival. You just think sure. you show up and watch some movies. You do not have a clue that this is a full-time year for you and Asantwa and Mickey and others to just make this happen. And you know we're big, not just fans, we're, we're big participants and allies. And it's very important, Mabu, especially in this period of the destruction of memory and the yeah. destruction of history. Absolutely. No, it's, we always say that um, as a result of the slave trade and colonization, uh, the enslaved people, the African people were spread all over the planet. And it, over a long period of time, 400 years, so you have a situation where people get so isolated, they've been spread out for so long and been, been isolated so long, uh, they didn't forget they're in exile sometimes. So you have to try to communicate that, listen, um, all across the planet, there's a little bit of our consciousness there in Haiti, in, in New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, with the brothers and sisters there, um, in Africa, in Louisiana, da, 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 all these different places. So you put all those, those stories together, Detroit, uh, Newark, where you work many, many years, you put all those stories together, then you begin to have a real understanding of what's going on as well as the racial component, the class component, race and class, uh, you begin to really have a better understanding, get insight, information, knowledge, but also get um, inspiration. Because when you're in ice, when you struggle and you just there by yourself, then uh, you are missing a lot of knowledge, a lot of information. We've learned a lot from uh, this present crisis that's going on in Ukraine, for instance. Uh, we learned a lot. Uh, Khrushchev talking to Fidel in Cuba and so forth and so on, and how to deal with things. We learned a lot how to deal with things uh, from talking to Bill Sutherland, old time Pan-Africanist and Marxist uh, in uh, Tanzania. So we've been learning a lot, a lot of things even right down to Fidel when he died. And this is where you get knowledge, right? You just don't be in your little isolated circle. And so films will help you do that, reading a book or travel. One of the things that we we just dawned on is that Fidel had done, you remember when he, when he died, um, they didn't even know, the West didn't even know he was dead right. <laughs> for a long time, right? He didn't put that out. He didn't promote that. And then when he when they finally began to do that, um, it was almost as if Fidel said, "I have a one last 
you know, point I want to make. So he took his body across the island, if you remember. And again, looking at Cuban films, you can see this. And uh, his body was cremated, took across the island. And uh, all thousands, thousands of people came out to see this brother had done so much. And then we realized that he had struck a blow at the Catholic Church again. <laughs> he cremated his body. So all these Catholics came out to see him. It was not said, but it was obviously, it was, it was a conscious decision to, to cremate his body, then take it across the island. So you learn a lot of things. You, you understand a lot of things by going to see films, reading books, travel, and opening your mind to other consciousness. Uh, as I was saying before I came on, it's been very interesting seeing the, um, the struggle in Eastern Europe. And um, somebody was saying to me, he said, um, well, you know, I've been reading the history of revolution. And if you read revolution as a historical process, you come across Stalin. <laughs> He's, you know, you can't not right. study revolution without reading about Stalin. He said, uh, Brother Babu, um, but the CBS, NBC, ABC, and the networks and the, and the internets keep saying that Stalin was a Russian. As I understand, he was a Georgian and a serious Georgian. A serious Georgian, not just a, you know, a, 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 Korea, a, a, a half. He was really a serious Georgian and to the point that he's the one that really tried to craft an analysis of the non-governing people in that whole area. That's right. So what is so why are these people saying that he's a Russian? So that raises we'll come back to them. <laughs> I wanna I don't want to leave the Ukraine yeah. and, and seriously. Uh here's the thing I want to do, Babu. I mean, yeah. uh from our audience, Channing and I, uh, and we'll stay right with Fidel. Uh let's start with what you think are the strongest explicitly anti-imperialist films. And then we can move in other directions. For instance, is the Cuban African film being shown? Because that's one that we want to, that we're most excited about so far. We're, that's, you're talking about the original Cuban African film. I don't know. Is there the, one okay. that- No, we're not, we're not showing that. We're trying to get that film. Uh, and we're in the process of trying to get, we've shown it many times, it's very important. We'll let you know, but right now they have had difficulty getting it to us. Okay. So what are, you know, I mean, just again, to listen to our audience, you know, if you ever want to listen to me and Bob would talk for 10 hours, uh, with him doing probably nine hours of the talking, but uh, we go back and forth to everything. We go to Angola, we go to South Africa, we go to China, we go to Stalin and the national question uh, why the Soviet Union was, in fact, was a union of so Soviet socialist republics, why we both think, I think, that NATO is more of a problem than Russia. We can go on and on and on. But tell us about who is making films right now on the cutting edge of anti-imperialist thought that you were able to get in the film festival. Every Everybody on the planet independent filmmakers, some state filmmakers are making films, trying to analyze, understand the spirit and anti-imperialist. You just have to find them. Everybody right. is motivated to say something, do something, look in, in their particular area, 
and try to find something. One of the uh, interesting films, anti-imperialist films in background is a film we have called Grandpa Was an Emperor. Grandpa Was an Emperor. This is a story of the great granddaughters of Emperor Haile Selassie. Mm. And they were raised with a certain vision of Haile Selassie, uh, the emperor as a benevolent person and so forth and so on. And then when they, they, they grew up and they saw the revolution, they saw his overthrow, saw his killing by the uh, revolutionaries and so forth and so on. So they began to try to understand. This always happens, this is what's so beautiful. You get a chance to, to get with the grandchildren of, of Emperor Haile Selassie as they uncover and begin to understand the negative, the positive, and, and the propaganda in and around their grandfather. And it's called Grandpa Was an Emperor. And it's a right. tremendous, and from that film, you'll begin to understand imperialism, because he was one of the first ones to raise the question when Italy attacked uh, Ethiopia. He said, if you don't stand up for us, then you can expect the rest of this happening in Europe in 1934. He said, I think it's 34. But that, that's an example of that kind of film that you're talking about. Uh, I'd like to tell our listeners that, Go ahead. that um, this Eric Mann talking to, uh, I was going to say Harry Selassie, talking to uh, Ayuko Babu, um, the, the struggle over Ethiopia and the Italian invasion of Ethiopia was at the, almost the same time as the, you know, the Nazi invasion of Spain, the overthrow. And in that 34 to 36, 37 period, the Soviet Union was the only country that came to the aid, as I remember it, of Ethiopia in its struggle against fascist Italy. And that's another reason why large numbers of Black people and Africans turned to communism, because the communists were the anti-imperialists and the United States, Nazi Germany, Japan, Italy, France, in my opinion, all of Europe were the Nazis in different shades. So I'm very interested in seeing that film, okay? That's very important. Uh, Grandpa was an emperor. Um, Channing has gone through a list of films that he's been, you know, Channing, he's on the case. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go over some of the titles you've looked at and talk to Babu about it and see if you could give us short summaries of each of the films that Channing has made on his uh on his cool list. I, I don't know if it's a cool list. I just started writing down films <laughs> that I thought was interesting. But obviously, I know that you're you are trying to get Cuba in Africa. Um, and I see that it's on the list. I think that's the film the top of my list that I'm most interested in because I didn't don't know anything about the the connection between Cuba and Africa. And it's the first time I'm learning about it. Yeah, we, we it's not consolidated yet, so we're trying to get that film. It's it's a tremendous film because what it does is it allows you to get a chance to understand that um, Cuba was decisive in the liberation of South Africa and Southern Africa. The whole that means Mozambique, uh, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Namibia, that whole process. Uh, because they, 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 for years, they also were involved in Ethiopia. There were troops, uh, one of the top filmmakers uh, was, was, a film, was a filmmaker on the Cuban side when they were in Ethiopia uh, back in Megisto. So it's a very interesting story. Um, 
and hopefully we'll get it in time. Uh, but you get a really chance to see that uh, uh, they were decisive uh, when when they when South Africa invaded Namibia to try to slow, slow down the struggle going down into Southern Africa to liberate ANC, PAC, the African National Congress of South Africa, Swapo from Namibia, uh, Pan-African Congress in South Africa, Ferlimo from uh, Mozambique, these are all liberation organizations. Um, South Africa intervened in Namibia to stop that struggle. And the Cubans sent troops, sent 500,000 troops uh, across the water uh, to slow that down and turn it around. And one of the reasons that Mr. Mandela was, they got out of jail was not only his great skill as, uh, uh, you know, they tried, to, they tried to think about killing him about a hundred times and couldn't make up their mind to kill him or not based upon the fact of trying to figure out, can we work with him, can we not work with him? Uh, you know, they killed uh, Brother Steve Biko, the black conscious leader. They killed Mr. Biko, the head of Pan-African Congress but could not figure out whether or not they should kill him or not. And that has a lot to do with how he was shaped and formed uh, being, you know, inside the leadership, the old traditional leadership like Dr. King inside the Christian leadership, uh, black church, he was able to manipulate them in such a way because they knew they had to make a deal. They knew they had that their day was up in terms of straight out you know, part that street out segregation and oppression. And he was able to get through that. And then he told the PAC, ANC and all the revolutionaries, to listen, don't worry about uh, faith. Whatever deal I signed, what I didn't sign, you tear them up and go ahead and get free. Mm -hmm. But that was a very interesting understanding. So you'll get a chance to see that, that ability. Uh, and that when, when Fidel came to, to uh, South Africa, First thing in South Africa came out, and millions of people understand that this is not known well in the United States, and this film really explores that and really examines that uh, phenomena. Another film. That's great. Um, just to tell again our listeners that Cuba has, as you know, a large uh, Afro-Cuban, Afro-Cuban right. population, and it's rather amazing that the Cubans send troops to Ang Angola too, right? Um, oh yeah, right, and um, that—that's where the big of, battles were. Right, in Gala. So mm -hmm. a lot of the black Cubans, it, it, he sent everybody. By the way, it's not mm -hmm. like the uh, the more, if you say Euro Latinos mm -hmm. were any less anti-imperialist. But the point was, imagine the small island exporting liberation fighters and doctors when the United States exports. COVID and uh, mass murderers. So, That's right. <laughs> uh, so Channing, from that, why don't you go on to what some of the other films on your well, list? Oh, well, I think what you just Channing, said is... Channing, Channing, before you say, let me just tell you an experience we had in Guinea. Okay. With Kwame Toure, Stokely Carmichael. Uh, we were in Guinea at that time. And um, the uh, as we moved to the, the Cubans would fly straight from Cuba land in Conakry in Guinea and fly straight down to South Africa, straight down to Angola and right. Namibia, front line. And they were they were coming about every six hours. Wow. Landing and hitting and rolling. <clears throat> it was incredible. So um, a lot of the Guineans used to say, 
Viva la Cuba. Viva la Cuba. They see me walking like they thought I was Afro-Cuban. Right. You know, it was, it was everybody said, we get ready to get free, going south. It was an incredible moment, a uh, moment I'll never forget. And uh, and you see the, the fruits of it this day that ANC is they in power. Now they're struggling class, all the contradictions, but they're in power. That's the yeah, first step. That's true. As, as, as uh, uh, Khrushchev said, the first step is to get power and then you work it out. That's right. That's or you right. fight it out, but you got power. That's right. That's right. So what else you got on your agenda, Jane? Um, not sure exactly how to say this one, but I think it's Fam Famadina Hana. Which one is that? Spell it for me. F A M A D I H A N A. Okay, what is it about? I'm looking for it. It says in uh, 1752 in La Reunion de Sao, a formerly enslaved Malagasy woman thinks she's found a tunnel that would take her back to Madagascar when her maroon village falls under threat of slave hunters. Sao has to face an inevitable choice, abandon her family or flee to finally return home. That's one of the the films. There's, There's many examples of resistance and uh, people coming up with ways to move and so forth. And that's another one of those great films. Very, very good film to see. Uh, but that's what it, it deals with people trying to figure out in my circumstance, under the reality that I find myself, what do I do to get free? How do I, you know, how do I? And that's a, that's a very valuable lesson is that Everybody has a desire to get free and they have to figure out how to do that and how to do, do that within the context of where, they, where you find themselves. So it's a study of assisted figuring that out and trying to understand it and making those steps. Uh, that's that's really what that's about. It's really a, a, a very, very good film. Uh, by the way, before I go, go any further, I want to also mention that um, there's an excellent film in the same vein called Dr. Gama, I don't know if you saw that, Dr. Gama from Brazil. Dr. Gama is another example of, he was, he was for whatever reason, you know, the Spanish, the French, the Dutch, they had, an, they had a different kind of way of dealing with slavery. And so they had different processes by which people could matriculate through the slave experience and get some benefits if you had some French blood in you, if you had some Spanish blood in you, if you had this different system compared to the uh, British. The British had one drop, can't say, if you had one drop of black blood, you were classified as, as black as African. Now, this is important because so much of our action and action and reaction, us me, uh, black people around the world has to do with those classifications because that shapes your consciousness. So uh, Dr. Goma, uh, which is the, which is the uh, Brazilian of the uh, Portuguese colonization, was somehow able to get free within inside the Portuguese colonial system and became a, a medical doctor. And then what he did was he used the law that freed him to free thousands and thousands of the black folks in that context. And some of them went into the favelas of fight and so forth and so on. 
So you have these, another again, examples of people figuring out how to go and how to function and so forth. And that has resonance to understand how you use the system to make moves. It, it, it is the example of the same thing to, uh, in that circumstance, and I'll deal with connected to that, Dr. Dr. Gama, is this. Look at Ukraine. And there's a way of looking at Ukraine and understanding goes back to uh, Khrushchev and Fidel. Now, everybody knows that Khrushchev and Fidel had a major confrontation, which comes up to discussion now, comes up with the United States over the missile called the Cuban Missile Crisis in the United States. And it's called, uh, in Cuba, anybody knows the Spanish name for it's a different name, it's the Battle of the area that they first started to have their battles about. Now, here's what's relevant to this in terms of this Dr. Gamma, how you use the system. Nobody asks this question, why did Khrushchev put give Fidel missiles in the first place that are right next to Florida? Hmm. That, that's the first question. And then Fidel said that the United States went crazy and said, take those missiles down. And Fidel said, we are tired of the gringos and we are going to resist. And if you keep messing with us, we're going to take out Miami, DC, New York. Now, Khrushchev talks to Fidel. This is using the system, world system. It says, Fidel, we don't have to bring the world to the end today. And this is well documented and is in several different films. He said, um, what we can do is this, let them gloat. Like they, they did a heavy political move, uh, but we can use their, their structure and say this, okay. They have the missiles, which is right now an issue in the Ukraine, missiles sitting in Turkey pointed directly at the Soviet Union. They got missiles in the NATO countries surrounding Ukraine that's sitting right pointed at the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. The time was Turkey. So, so what we can make a demand is two things. One, we'll make a demand, they tear up the Monroe Doctrine, which the United States said anything in the South, in, in the uh, Caribbean islands, et cetera, in South, South America is our backyard. So no, uh, China, Russia, stay out of our backyard. That was the Monroe Doctrine. We get them to tear that up, make an exception to Cuba. Don't mess with Cuba and take the missiles down in Turkey and we will take the missiles down in Cuba. Now, also he said this, we'll get them to agree when you tear up the Monroe Doctrine, don't try to destroy Cuba the way you were trying to destroy Cuba, which they would have flattened Cuba, would have invaded it and so forth and so on. Said, yeah, leave them alone to a certain degree. We'll get that. Then what you can do for them, you can, be, you can develop doctors, dentists, lawyers, educated people, as well as military people to rise up and support and advance the movement. Okay, we can get that done. Fidel said, F that. And he said that openly. He said, we are tired of the gringos. 
we dying of yellow fever, we dying of malaria, ignorance, and underdevelopment any goddamn anyway. And so therefore, drop a bomb, it don't matter. That scared McLemore because when McLemore found out that at those meetings in Cuba when they discussed this, he said they really were gonna drop the bomb. So they'll say, yes, that's absolutely right. He said it was the real hero was Khrushchev telling us the restraint. I was a young man, and now I look back, he was correct. We all that happened, then we were able to have troops go to Angola, South Africa. We have doctors going around the world. We have dentists going around the world. They've developed their own vaccine. All that came out of that. So you're using the system at the same time. Uh, and that's the lesson of Dr. Gamma. And let's well, real quick, go ahead. Well, what's the lesson of Ukraine? It looks like, and we can all discuss that, but it looks like that, again, the United States, as I understand it, the United States agreed to go with Gorbachev that look, as we dismantle and get off the stage of this competition, that you agree to make sure there's security for everybody, including security for the Russians, security for everybody, so everybody, and that you don't encroach upon that space to such a degree that you create a contradiction. Now, they violate, they, the West violated that agreement because they said, oh, Russia's on flat, is flat on his back now. Let's move. So they end up sitting up all those bases in Poland and bringing Poland and all these other people into NATO. And then the uh, splitting the, the Ukraine. And finally, um, this new group of, of people who lead Russia said, wait a minute. You can't go that far. I mean, you can't cut us off from the sea. The state were cut off from the sea, the Black Sea. Uh, they, it's like putting missiles right up to Catalina Island. If you understand Los Angeles and Catalina Island, that's what mm -hmm. the, the army bases are. And so Putin, who is kind of, a, and there's always a phenomenon in revolutionary literature where you have uh, people kind of half banded, half revolutionary, half hustlers, and then he appears to be that kind of mixed person. Um, and he said, no, you know, we, this is, this is, we got to draw the line somewhere. Um, especially it's a complicated thing, but if those examples are what's, that's what's underneath that, that line. That's what's, uh, perpetrating that. And then if you notice the, the racial component is that, uh, they didn't say anything about Ethiopia when, uh, they, you back Ethiopia. And only the Ethiopian government turned it around with drones from Turkey and pushed, they were 20 miles, 30 miles from uh, Addis, the Tigray people, and then pushed them all the way back to it. So these are, but us, the key thing is this, in terms of understanding the phenomenon of Dr. Gamma, the film, you, you begin to see how people inside, he was actually inside of a slavery system, but was able to get free. Uh, uh, Toussaint Overture was also another person who was enslaved, who also spoke African languages. He was from, from Dahomey and was able to put that together. And as you know, Haiti is the only uh, nation in the world that started out as enslaved people and got free. Nobody else has ever done that in the history of the world. That's why they continue to, to destroy uh, Cuba uh, because they don't want that example. Uh, so that's- so I'm gonna just end, stop you for a minute. Go ahead. Uh, no, excuse me. 
<clears throat> so the voice you're hearing again is Professor Ayuko Babu, who seriously has an amazing encyclopedia knowledge of anti-imperialist history, the relationship of Africa to Cuba. Uh, Channing, let's hear about some other films you want him to tell us about. Oh, and I want to know, I'm still want to know, what is the first day of the film festival? Uh, April the 19th, okay. May the 1st. That's it. That's you can right. find that on, on, on the website, paff.org. We'll tell you, follow instructions, we'll tell you how to access films, how to come to the, to the festival if you want a little bit of uh, in-home, I mean, uh, uh, theater experience. Uh, we, 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 you got to meet all the protocols. You got to wear a mask, got it, because we don't want to take a chance on somebody dying in, the, in that under this capitalist thing. Open up, open up, open up, open up. But it's all the paff.org. Um, well, one thing you need to know, our audience needs to know is, you know, I've gone, God, for 20 years and uh, more. And um, it's one of the great historical, important cultural events in, in the United States, not just in LA. Uh, going to the theater in the Crenshaw Mall is quite an experience. It's cool as heck. You got seven or eight or nine theaters and you have all the films going on at the same time. There's exciting stuff in the lobby. You meet all kinds of great people. People have uh, displays there and tables there and we may have one. Uh, you just meet the most amazing people. For those of you who are on Voices from the Frontlines, I made to tell that, that Voices listeners, I think we have the highest percentage of black people who go to the Pan-African Film Festival uh, of any show I know, because every time I go there, people come up to me, Eric, I'm a regular listener. And uh, it's because we have people like you on Babu, and of course we have Channing every week. So it's very important, first of all, to support the Pan-African Film Festival. He simply implied that the cost doubled and tripled, which is going on in COVID on everything. The cost of labor, the cost of materials, the cost of everything is skyrocketing. And you can buy tickets. Uh, I think you can even make contributions, but you, you want to go. That's the main point I'm saying is take your mask and go meet. They're just amazing people there. And the attitude of everybody is great. It's very comradely and uh, people are happy. You know, it's, it's one of the greatest convenings of black people and people of all races in the city. And uh, you have filmmakers, you have people who are would-be filmmakers, you have film students, uh, you have black uh, studies people, African studies people, and you have revolutionaries like me and Channing. And uh, so I urge you, it says um, April 19th to May 1st, is that right? April 19th, May 1st. So make it your business. Yes, there'll be stuff online, but think about coming at least once to the theater to experience, and then you can call your friends and make sure, because on Voices from the Frontlines, we're not here to entertain you, we're here to organize you. You know, uh, Babu, a friend of mine said, you know, every time I want you to show, more people buy my book than any other show I want. And similarly, we want people to say, Babu came on and talked about these great films. 
But I didn't just say right on. It was a good show. I went and saw it. And then you can go up to him. He's all over the place. He's very um, omnipresent. Uh, and go up to the staff and say, I was on Voices from the front lines. I heard about it. And I, I'm here as a Voices listener. And uh, Channing and I will definitely be there several nights. We'll figure out and bring people. Uh, in terms of time, Babu, Channing, give him three films in a row. That you, that you at least thought were interesting so he can see where this is going. Is that okay? Sure. I don't have very many, um, but the last one I have is uh, uh, There's Your Ready Girl, which is uh, about civil rights struggle here in, uh, in the United States. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see a lot of LGBTQ films. I didn't see many that I was... Uh, trying to look at but i did see one that's called smoke lilies and jade um and those are the last two i have there's one that i'm 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 a little bit i don't know undecided on it's called pens and pencils which is about the school to prison pipeline i'm not not so sure i guess i gotta see it to make the decision <laughs> you have, you'll have to decide that for yourself uh what what we do uh we took this concept of, of a film festival, which is a modern, modern form of expression of storytelling. You know, we come from a long line of storytellers. We, we traditionally carry it and tell our story through, you know, our life through stories. And then we try to do it in an entertaining way because that's the way it's always been done. And the new form for that is, is the movie, is the uh, is film and uh, the iPad and so forth and so on. So we just took the old form of storytelling and mixed this with the technology. Um, and the other thing that we try to do is this, uh, as Eric said, and this is really key for people, um, the dialectic in Marx and Leninism, it's called EBG in Yoruba tradition. It's called yin yang in, in China and in, and in uh, India, the same concept. And that concept is that the, the, the opposites, that you don't know red if you don't know another color. You don't know white, you don't know white if you don't know black. You don't know black, you don't know white, you don't know rain if you don't know dry. You know, there's always this sunshine, bright, dark. Now, We've learned as we move through the world over the last years, many, many years, of that one of the things that's so important is that we need space to rejuvenate, to enjoy ourselves, to reflect and to be, and be comfortable and not have to put up with so much madness and noise and the, the fallout of contradiction capitalism and racism. There's a need for some healing, a need for some space. We can hang out, as they say, and, and, and hang out with people that are like-minded and rejuvenate yourself, then right. get back up. So we see the festival as a, as a place, come get some energy for about two weeks, or sit in your home and get it on the, on, through the uh, television, and then rejuvenate, go out and deal, deal with the world. Now. Mm -hmm. What's so important for that to understand is that a lot of the films we have have come from progressive countries. 
like Cuba. We had a lot of Cuban films over the year, uh, the Angola films, etc. cetera. Um, the African nations now, the Caribbean nations now. Quite some, beyond Cuba's symbolism, symbolic symbol, Angola, South Africa, you get a chance to go to those countries and rejuvenate yourself. A lot of people don't realize that Dr. King at the middle of Montgomery and, you know, he was in the heart of, of institutional racism and monopoly capital down there fighting in Montgomery, fighting in, in, in Selma, et cetera. So it's horrible. He rejuvenated himself by, he wrote most of his books in Jamaica. Hmm. He had to get out of the space so you don't hear this noise and this craziness and so forth and, 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 and take a water, take a shower in the waterfall in Jamaica. And he wrote his books there, try to get, and then rejuvenate itself. So the festival is, is a part of that, that traditional process. Come, it's, it's what we do traditionally in ancient festivals on the continent. It stops you from what you're doing in your everyday life, slow down for about 10 days, come see, see all these stories, everybody, these are stories that people used to tell sitting around the campfire. Come and get these stories, get this energy, hang out, meet some folks, meet Eric Mann, meet Manning, meet the bus rider. You know, everybody try to create that space, rejuvenate, and then go back and deal with the world. That's one of the things we, we hooked up. We, we have an art show for the same reason. A piece of art will stop you, make you think about your life. You put it on the wall and put it in a piece of sculpture, and you walk past that and give you some energy. And that's what we're trying to do with the Pan-African Film Festival. Well, you know, Babu, uh, word for word, that's what we're trying to do with strategy and soul. Uh, we have a beautiful uh, state-of-the-art film theater that before COVID could hold 100 people, which will come to. And we have a beautiful bookstore that is, I was just thinking of uh, one film was called Grandpa Was an Emperor. And we have a book here by Susan Robeson called How Grandpa Stopped a War about mm -hmm. Paul Robeson singing in the middle of the Spanish Civil War. Right. And he got the other side to stop fighting for a day to listen. He got both sides to listen. Uh, we have our own fight for the soul of the city's office where chanting is now. And we've been using all these words, a place for rest, rejuvenation, revitalization, revolution, uh, a lot of R's, you know, we just keep throwing R's out. Uh, a lot of the people in the community are very battered and they're just exhausted. And we want a beautiful place where people can come and look at the bookstore and go, oh my God, who's Claudia Jones? Yeah. Who's, who's mm -hmm. Kwame Nkrumah? You know, who's W.E.B. Du Bois? And oh, I didn't know there was a show you Graham Du Bois. Well, you darn well should have known. But the books talk to you. And the reason I'm partly saying that is because uh, we host pretty much every year, historically, the Pan-African Film Festival. We call it the Volunteers Marathon. And it's a three-day yeah. amazing experience. It's, exactly. it's the people who have worked. A lot of people working at the Pan-African Film Festival will not be able to see the films. And then Babu and Asante will come in and we have like, a, and Channing runs it. And it's like a three-day from 12 to, I don't know, you guys... I leave it around to midnight. Twelve. To midnight. I, I leave around ten or eleven, and you guys <laughs> yes, are still going. Yes, twelve to midnight. Two, it, 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 to one and two. 
So yeah. the point I want our listeners to understand is that this is very theoretical, that in the face of imp impending fascism, and with the Democratic Party crumbling, uh, they're about to hit, I think, a massive blood bloodbath in the midterm elections. I was just talking about to several Democrats in Congress who are my friends, saying they're terrified. So imagine the right wing winning the elections in the, in the midterms, and then probably going on to win the election in 2024. What are we going to do besides say this is wrong? So the building of institutions, the building of the Pan-African Film Festival as an annual center for community building, revolutionary community building. I'm urging our listeners that uh, we, I mean, you know that, but we'll talk about, we're going to sponsor a film for sure. But we are invested in the success of the Pan-African Film Festival. We're not just interested in it like it's interesting. So listeners out there, go online, paff.org. It starts on April 19th. Yeah, maybe get a film or two that you want to do uh, online or remotely. But think about at least the one time, at least, that you'll go with your friends and family, because that's a critical part of what Bubbo's doing. And if I just may add one more thing, Bubbo, that you don't have to tell me about the history of storytelling, because every time I talk to you, you're showing me the history of storytelling. <laughs> somebody <Amazing>. told me. <laughs> somebody, somebody told me. You know, the the one of the uh, we have a film about one of the uh, how do I call it? what do is the film is it's about Francis Fernon. First right. of all, and I'm trying to come up with a word to say. We for those who don't know him, he's one of the he was a black psychiatrist from Martinique that was a revolutionary that fought in the Algerian revolution. But more importantly, he decided to do an analysis of our situation, of the world conditions and so forth and so on, and wrote from not only a nationalist or Pan-African point of view, he wrote it from a Marxist point of view, from a psychiatric point of view, right? Uh, and wrote down our life and gave us the energy to uh, better understand um, if you want to understand um, oh, the, any of the situation, if you understand internationally, understand what's going on in Ethiopia, you want to understand uh, Ukraine, if you want to understand what's happening in LA in the, uh, in the uh, uh, struggle between uh, the new wealthy man, what's his name, Caruso, running for mayor, and Karen Bass, the roots of that understanding can be found in Fanon. Right. So it's a major, major book um, that everybody has had a is stopped to pay attention on. It's a book that has been. But this is now where he interviews this man interviews Fanon's friends and the people he knew. So you get a, a personal perspective as it fits with the political analysis, and that's that's a, a very important perspective for you. It adds to your understanding of the world. And plus you understand that Fanon was just like us. There's a certain point that all people are similar. They have different experiences, which you'll understand that what you understand about the world, Fanon understood about the world, then was also a black psychiatrist. Um, tremendous story. Um, Mabu, 
That's yep. the film that we were very interested in sponsoring, and you weren't sure you could get it. We got uh, it. And can you tell me the name of the film? Called Fenon Yesterday, Today. Great. And it's... it's uh, well, we're all over that, okay? Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. Uh, and you get, a, you get a real understanding of our condition, our situation. Um, let me, I'll give you an example of what you understand. Um, there's another film called Ferguson Rising, hmm. which is a young filmmaker that went into Ferguson after Mike Brown was killed and examined that and, and examined with his father and so forth. It's a look, a first look at that situation of what happened, how it happened, and what's going on. And, and it's connected back to Fanon, because if you understand Fanon, Fanon helps you understand Ferguson. Right. Uh, there's a whole chapter on the interaction between people in a in a situation like Black folks and institutional racism here, almost the caste system in terms of color, all these things. And you'll find, oh, my situation is very similar to other people's situation. And you'll understand Ferguson a lot better for no one help you understand that better. Well, uh, just again, you're being great. I just want our listeners to remember, as they always tell me to say, that you're listening to voices from the front lines. You're on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. Please check us out at voicesfromthefrontlines.org and you go on the links and you'll please register. If you haven't, you'll get a weekly uh, memo that we send out. But also, uh, you can check out our podcasts on all the links to SoundCloud and Apple and iTunes and all the other, other things that we're on. So if you don't get the show tomorrow at 3, uh, today at, you know, Tuesday at 3, and yes, this is Monday, we're recording with Babu to make sure it gets ready. Uh, please help other, other people listen to the podcast because we're trying to expand our national listenership. And finally, send us email to Eric at Voices from the Front Lines. Uh, it's very rare that we can have a show where such an important thinker as Ayuko Babu has the full hour to think out loud and talk out loud. Um, tell me a little bit more about Fanon yesterday and today, if you could, and then you could go anywhere else you want. Well, the other thing, Fanon, what he did was he looked at, at the personal, by being a psychiatrist, it's very seldom that you get a chance to get a psychological analysis with a class analysis, a racial analysis, and a psychological analysis of your situation as a person. Right. Because he was trying, he was healing, he was, a, he was, a, he, he was healing uh, patients who had all this, all of these, this trauma from all these experiences. So you begin, once you start reading, you said, oh, this I like, this is my friend that I had back in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or my friend, you know, you, you start to make this, these, he, and he wrote all of it down. This was so important. He wrote everything down. And so you can take it and look at it and so forth and so on. Now, let me just say one other thing, I don't want to forget this, is that we also have, uh, some incredible musical films that will get you, give you the foundation 
and touch your soul uh, on a different level because it's mind, body, and spirit, as they say. Right. So our opening night film is called Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story. Right. And for those who don't know Mahalia Jackson, she's one of the greatest gospel singers that ever lived on the planet. And she was the major influence on Aretha that you probably know. Yeah. Nina Simone, the Staples Sisters, um, uh, 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 all the young singers like uh, Mary Jane Blythe, all these people, she influenced that approach to our music. Uh, and she was the link between coming out of enslavement into trying to make our way through capitalism. So she was not only a, a great spiritual person, but also was a mystic. And she was very, she was front and center in the civil rights movement uh, with Dr. King, which is the 1950s and 1960s. This is an example you have, you can't just say the 1960s, 1960, 69, it also was in the 50s. So she's a product of the 1950s, 1960s. Now, let me tell you this story. Wait, you don't, you can't do that story, my brother. Okay. Uh, because uh, for everybody listening, uh, Next time we'll have a three-hour show with Babu. Oh, uh, but right now we have to tie up. I just want to add. I just want to add, as you know, that Mahalia Jackson also supported Angela Davis. Absolutely. And, and so this is an amazing. Uh, Babu and I go back many, many Ooh. years, and our lives have actually uh, crossed paths. Uh, as early as, <laughs> as early as 65, I think. Yeah. So, um, but, but I want to say this. I mean it in the most serious way. You know, you are a treasure culturally, politically. The fact that you and Asantra and others pull this off on a shoestring every year. Um, Channing, we have what, two minutes left? Yep. So, Channing, so, Babu, you know how to do the one minute. Tell yeah. the folks again how to get the tickets, where okay. to find you. Our website is PAFF, stands for PanAfricanFilmFestival.org. Go on that website and you'll find the descriptions of the films. You'll see trailers of the films. If it's not there, they'll be up, they'll put up daily. You'll get the you you'll get the how to navigate, how to either look at use the internet or come down to see the films. We're at King and Crenshaw. The films are at the at the, uh, the Rave Cinemark 15, the old Magic Johnson Theaters. Right. Uh, the art show is inside the mall, uh, which is on the property of Lawrence Michelle Plaza. It's going to be a fabulous, fabulous kind of experience. Uh, and please come out. We're going to show Mahalia Jackson twice, opening night at the DGA, Directors Guild of America, and we're going to show it again. Uh, don't miss it. She was a mystic. Uh, I wish I could just had one more minute to tell you that incredible story about why you need to come out and see this lady. Uh, if I got 30 seconds? Well, you, you're a good negotiator, but you better hurry. Okay. Uh, watch you're on. I just don't want okay. you to cut off. Now, Dr. King, she was a, she was an advisor to Dr. King, not just the singer. So if you saw Selma, uh, anytime Dr. King was down and depressed, he'd pick up the phone anywhere in the world, wherever he was, and would call Mahalia and say, sing me a song, give me some, love, some lifting. Now, she went to the March on Washington and her and Dr. She was this mystic. And as Dr. King 
was soaring in the great oratory. For those who heard Dr. King, you know what kind of brother he could preach, he could preach. And all of a sudden, you hear her, if you listen carefully to the different films, she said, Martin, tell the people about the dream. Right. Tell the people about the dream. <laughs> Dr. King heard that and went straight up to a high note and just seamlessly flowed into that and became one of the world's greatest story, greatest uh, speeches called the dream speech. And it was her spirit and mystical thing touched Dr. King and went all up to the strat. And then it shook the 250,000 people and the millions watching. And now it's called the dream. I have a dream speech. All she right, was so the one that created that. So listen come to, see the film. Come see the film, everybody. Thanks for being here on Voices from the Front Lines. We're going to go out with Nina Simone and remember all power to the people. And when you buy your tickets to the Pan African Film Festival, send an email to Eric at Voices from the Front Lines and say, hey, I've chosen to go. I'm going to be there. These are the nights we'll be there. And we'll put out an email about the nights that the Strategy Center is going to be there as well. It's as always an honor, my brother. And I'll be in touch with you very soon on some specific. It was my honor. Thank you so much. And she influenced Nina Simone. All right. And with that, you take good care of yourselves, everybody. Take good care of you. As they say, all power to the people. All power to the peace. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. Did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charter.